Hi, I'm Ben Novak, and you're listening to a Budapest Beacon podcast. Today I'm speaking to Goran Buldiaski. He's the director of the Open Society Initiative for Europe. Goran, thank you for being here. Pleasure to be here. So what's the deal? You guys are coming under attack from the Hungarian government. It has escalated beyond the standard propaganda campaign now. There's going to be legislation to introduce more transparency to organizations like yours and organizations that Open Society uh, has supported in Hungary. Tell me, what is your problem with transparency? We have none. Actually, as a foundation, we have uh, funded so many transparency projects. We, we are very proud to be one of the most preeminent donors in the field. We are also uh, you know, very clear with, with the statements that we make and also with our funding. You can go and get our budget on our website. You can go and get the uh, grants that we've issued in Hungary in the last couple of years. They're all transparent according to what is already quite a comprehensive and detailed regulation um, issued by the Hungarian government in the past years. There are a number of NGOs in Hungary that have received money from George Soros through Open Society, and some of these organizations are critical of government policies. In a few instances, these groups are conspicuous and influential, meaning they play a role in Hungarian public life. Can you understand why the Hungarian government claims that these organizations, Open Society and George Soros, are influencing Hungarian politics in a negative manner? There's a lot of issues that, that you raise there. I mean, first of all, um, as somebody who leads the work of the Open Society Initiative uh, for Europe, I, I want to make a bit of a distinction between our foundation and George Soros. I mean, he's our chairman, uh, but in so many ways our foundation is more than just his chairman. And it is, you know, the president, the board members, the staff, and a lot of people. And, and also it is the way how it operates within its own legal entities here in Hungary, United States, and other places. So actually not only we are bound legally, but also we are bound by a mission and a program and a budget. So there's a lot of things where actually that we do within the domain as any other foundation that uh, does philanthropic activity would do. And I think that's really important because a lot of those organizations have been supported as part of really long-standing programs. The second thing is that uh, George Soros and the foundation ha are not new in this country. They've been present here for more than 30 years, and they have a, a proven track record of funding various things, so not only NGOs, and not only NGOs who are critical of the government, you know, starting from photocopying machines and uh, breakfast for children, milk and whatnot of, on the humanitarian front, but also later uh, actually stepping in when there, there are real emergencies, like with the Red Sludge uh, disaster and um, near ICA in 2010, where actually our foundation has given $1 million to the Orban government to uh, immediately, basically, to clean the area and prevent a further environmental disaster. So in so many ways, actually, our funding goes much beyond than just these critical uh, voices or critical of, of this government. Um, and I think it's important not to lose this picture. The second thing is that also let's look at the track record of those organizations. They've been critical throughout their existence uh, of policies and, and maybe at times also the individuals who uh, push for those policies. And I think it's, it's really important to understand that many of them have been criticizing successive governments. Actually, one of them, like Task, has been defending uh, Viktor Orban on a yeah. court case uh, when he was in an opposition. So I think it's, it's, it's really important to look at a bit of a longer time span and not to look at this as an individual issue between Viktor Orban and George Soros or individual issue uh, between the, the leaders of these NGOs and members of the government. Generally speaking, it's clear that the lopsided media environment and state propaganda have played a significant role in creating this negative public perception of George Soros. 
but few people are actually aware of what Open Society does. Can you tell us a bit about that? First of all, our mission is in our title. So we want to see societies where actually nobody holds uh, the monopoly of th on truth and actually societies that debate various solutions about how to go forward. They have different opinions and then some of those solutions win the argument of the day and, and they're implemented in, in, uh, for the betterment of the society. Now, what you're saying about the communication, um, I have to acknowledge that, you know, in a way you're right, because we've been communicating as most foundations would do. We constantly communicate with the, with our, with the civil society organizations, irrespective of whether they are grantees or not. We communicate with the field of other donors and so on, but not necessarily with the broader public. And um, now we found ourselves in a situation where there is a smear campaign against us and there's a smear campaign against an important part of the civil society. And this is really, uh, it, that's why we stepped in um, with information about our work. Let me give you an example. Um, we've been accused of doing so many things about migration. We have not funded anything uh, that comes near to uh, basically illegal migration in Hungary. We funded only not only legally registered organizations, but organizations that work according to uh, domestic, European, and international law and abide to it. On top of that, we are not specialists, uh, a foundation that specializes on migration. Only 6% of our funding in Hungary from 2015 until today, basically three years span, has gone on migration. So actually our programming is much wider. Now, we found ourselves in a situation where we are sort of singled out and we are used as a smokescreen uh, for the government to basically cover up uh, some of their actions. And their actions are not only in the domain of migration. Um, what we see is that by attacking George Soros, by attacking uh, civil society organizations, they create an atmosphere of distrust and an atmosphere where basically a civil society is smeared or uh, put in a position to defend itself and unfortunately in the public eye uh, loses, loses value. And this is uh, something that really, really worries us as we know that civil society is one of the pillars for a functioning democracy. Just to give our listeners some background on what the smear campaign actually looked like during the refugee crisis, the government was accusing George Soros of being in cahoots with President Obama to import Muslims into Europe. They accused Soros and his foundation of essentially paving the way for unwanted migrants to illegally enter Europe and do harm to nation states and Christianity and so on. So these allegations went well beyond a policy debate. The Hungarian government made completely baseless claims about George Soros and open society and somehow managed to cast George Soros as being behind the entire thing. If you don't mind, I really would like to make a point here because, um, you know, some of those accusations, we've been accused that we funded the brochures, welcome to EU. We yeah. didn't. Yeah. We've been accused to fund no borders. Uh, we didn't. I mean, that, that, that's sort of a, a group of activists that, that, are argue, that are advocating for free borders within EU. We, we did not fund any of these groups. And I think this is really important to state. And there is no proof that, that, that we, we have been uh, funding these organizations. There's just a, that's why I referred to a smear campaign and rather than, than something that we can engage uh, as a fact. And I think this is really important to, to, to clarify. On top of that, the organizations that we funded on the issue of migration, let's say like here in, in Hungary, a Hungarian Helsinki Committee, they've been around on the issue when migration was not in the limelight. They've been dealing with this issue yeah. much before the crisis hit. And they have been our grantee for many years uh, for that work and other work, detention in prisons and so on. So actually, one should look at it as a long-term partnership with an organization that we felt that it's important, even when the issue was uh, not so hot as it is today. So I think in that respect, it's really important to see what we've really fund 
And, you know, I invite as well the government to let, can go on our website, they can see the grants uh, and they can see what we funded and then we can discuss about about that work rather than, than work that we've we've never funded. That's one point. The second point is, um, you know, the distinction that I met before, uh, made before. George Soros also perceives himself as an intellectual and he is one and he publishes books, opinions and so on. And he wants to influence the discourse and I, as a, he has a full right to do that also as, a, as an individual. He aspires to do that globally, not only within the national domain. But I think it's really important to look at that separately from the work of our foundation because within the foundation, uh, you know, if we look uh, through our grantees uh, and through the work that we support, Obviously, you will see as well work that uh, probably even goes um, against uh, the advocacy goals that, that George Soros may, may advocate in his opinion pieces. And this is also truthful to when I mentioned to our definition of open society. Simply, we don't see one single truth, we don't see one single policy solution, and it's important to hear different voices and, and to enter into a debate where they will have a chance to, to influence the final outcome. Are there any NGOs that receive all or a majority of their funding from the Open Society? I mean, it depends uh, how you define what majority. Let me, let me p- be very, very clear a- about this. Inside the foundation, we have actually a very clear principle, which we call the one-third rule. Actually, if any of my colleagues, poly- uh, program officers who are in charge of the groundmaking and have the ability to make these decisions, if they want to fund an organization and it happens that that organization would receive more than one-third of their total budget from us, they have to ask for a special permission from someone like me, who is in the director position, to approve that and provide a justification. And we've done that not only, uh, not, not only for our own sake, but we're doing it also because one of the key values as donors uh, that we do is actually that, that we care about is sustainability of these organizations and uh, avoiding a dependency on one donor. Now, when I look at the level of the organization, probably we will have all together, I'm talking now about Europe, that's an area that I know best, probably around 5% of organizations that we fund, and each year we issue more than 300 grants, uh, would um, uh, be uh, surpassing this threshold. So meaning that we will fund more than 33%. Very rarely, I think in really few exceptions, that will be uh, above 50%, never the full funding of the organization. That's really important to understand. Most of the organizations, actually, probably there's one or two exceptions here in Hungary, uh, are under those, those one, one, one third uh, uh, rule, and we're really careful about that. Not on, not because of this this campaign, and not because of the attacks uh, of social organizations, but because we know that these organizations will not be able to survive if they depend on one single donor. Does Open Society fund any political parties? No. No, the clear answer is no, uh, and uh, the answer is also because our mission is not in that line, and and uh, as well, it will be illegal in so many countries where we work. So do these grants actually come with strings attached? Uh, at the risk to be boring, let, let me sort of shed a bit of light of our, of our grant-making strategies well, that's and why we're instruments here. and so on. Um, you know... In, in, in the rest of the world, when you go into the commercial sector, people know what contracts are. And then usually they will say, oh, you give me a contract, so you pay me to do what you want me to do. Among donors, we talk about grants, and then that's probably not known <laughs> but, uh, among the general public. Then actually you talk about an agreement where, where the one, the grantee who receives the money, has much greater freedom. 
And I think this is important to understand. It's not only about the freedom to do everything what they want, but actually they have the, the uh, uh, freedom in a way to define some of the actions, the specific actions. Now, what does that mean? That means that they're responsible for the activities on the ground. And what does it mean in our field? That means that actually we would like uh, locally grown organizations, as here in Hungary, all of these organizations that the government attacks, and many hundreds more, are local organizations. They're, they're staffed by Hungarians, they have Hungarian interests, they have a mission that is relevant to the development of Hungary. We want them to act, and our funding actually supports them. A lot of those activities we do not even support per activity, but we support per organizational mission. And for example, when I mentioned before, that means we have an organization that deals with an issue, and then we say, oh, this is really important issue for open society. I mean, for example, we are well known as a supporter of human rights activists across the, the, the globe. So, and then we will give the funds to an organization to make sure that they're, they're doing their job better as an organization, not for a specific project. Some other way, we, some, in some other uh, uh, basically domains, we support specific projects or specific activities where we have actually, usually they come with a proposal and we say, oh, this is a goal that is very legitimate, uh, it's, it's needed, they will do a certain debate and so on. We'll do that. Most, all of these are not political. Now, what does it mean, in a way, in, in this respect, I think, especially for Hungarian audience, that's, that's very important because the government imputes a lot of, oh, what you do is politics. That's right. Well, actually, if you look at the face of it, a lot of these organizations are doing something which is, in many ways, apolitical, in particularly apolitical in a partisan sense, meaning that, let me give you an example about monitoring, because we, we a lot of organizations monitor the compliance with various EU laws, with various international conventions. And so, so they simply say, okay, it's the government who signed those agreements, and it's the government who obliged to fulfill those agreements. And the NGOs here are, are good uh, actor who actually just monitors whether this is done. And then when it's done, they say, great, it's done. They allow the government. When it's not done. They say, sorry, you've committed to this. You signed this. You've missed to do that. In many ways, actually, sometimes could be so painfully boring and technical that it's outside of the media cycle. But now what happens, it's the government that politicizes that, and then it becomes political, not because the NGOs are doing it, but actually because the government puts the adjective political. I think it's really, uh, it's really important to look at the dynamics and the way how things are, are labeled political and how actually in, uh, uh, in the everyday work, they have, uh, they have to do with policy, they have to do with uh, certain obligations that the government has, has agreed to, but they're not essentially in the political arena for getting into the office or getting uh, a specific benefit of it. Last year, Minister overseeing the office of the Prime Minister, Janos Lazar, said he's got classified state security reports on NGOs connected to George Soros. About a week later, the Utvishkaro Institute, an organization that's received funding from Open Society, found a bug in its office. Are you guys concerned about the security situation? Our biggest concern here is actually the state of the civil society. And in the light of the campaign that is actually uh, currently going on against the civil society, is actually what will be left of it and, and how much of the reputation of that civil society will be tarnished uh, if it's attacked by, by officials. And let's not forget, these are officials who come with a great deal of power. And also they come with a great deal of ability, you know, through the media and so on, to, to basically ex not only express their opinion, but to influence the general public. So I think the first and foremost concern is whether the vibrant 
civil society community and diverse civil society community, which is not only Budapest-based, which is not only about professional organizations, but it's also about volunteer organizations. Is it somebody in Mateselka who will watch on the TV and say, oh, actually, I wanted to do in this NGO, but now suddenly uh, organizing together is not a good thing. Uh, this is what worries. Yeah, it instills a chilling effect. It's a chilling effect, but it, uh, and in, in, in many ways, it also sends uh, the... the um, it sends a signal that it's government who decides which one is a good and which one is a bad engine. Mm-hmm. And this is not the role of a government, and this is also not the way how, uh, in a functioning democracy, civil society should, should, should operate. Now, coming to us, uh, and, and when you say, uh, I have a lot of colleagues who are Hungarians who have been working for quite a few years for the foundation, and they consider themselves patriots, and they consider that they've been, maybe they've done a small bit, but they've contributed to the democratic uh, transition of this country and the economic advancement. And, and, you know, now looking at the TV or the radio or the newspapers and then being labeled as whatever the government would, would label them, usually not nice words, enemies of the states and worse, they don't feel fine about that. And they have a good reason because actually they're not only patriotic Hungarians, but they're patriotic Hungarians who have done something concretely for their for their country. And I and I do believe that this is also an important aspect. And and these are people who actually today go meet their friends, their parents, their relatives and so on. And they have a life in the very same country that they actually they felt that they're supporting and they're still supporting it. And I don't believe that uh, you know people in power uh, should um, actually use the power in order to label, especially when so far we have not seen any grounds, any any facts or any, any particular uh, proof about the allegations that have been aired uh, uh, by uh, many of the officials. Well, some of these accusations go well beyond actually being unpatriotic. Um, there are accusations of being foreign agents. I mean, this is a very, very serious allegation. And we see now from, uh, from both uh, the foreign minister we've heard and from the government spokesperson we heard that this new law, that nobody really knows what this new law on NGOs or re- re- requiring transparency on NGOs, more transparency on NGOs will actually entail. But what they're saying is that this is going to be uh, something similar to but less uh, stringent than the foreign agents law in the United States, which requires any organization or individual that acts on behalf of a foreign government to register as a foreign agent. What do you make of this argument? Let me start with a commercial about one of your op-eds that was published recently by Dalibor Rohat, uh, where he really clearly explains what the foreign, uh, foreign act in the United States is about. And also he puts a very, very compelling uh, inf- uh, uh, evidence about to what it, the extent that he has been used in the U.S., and, you know, just to mention one of the examples that he lists, even the German uh, political foundations in the United States are not registered as foreign agents. Well, you know, their mission is political and their mission is also partisan, and they're still not right. That gives you actually a lot of freedom. I think a lot of misinterpretation has happened around this. Uh, and the, the Foreign uh, Agents uh, um, Act from the United States has been transposed only by looking at the title but not looking at the... Uh, at the substance of it, which is very much in the line of a democratic uh, society, and it's very much in the line of of light regulation. Now, I find this, in in countries like Hungary, I find it very dangerous. There is a precedent that's Russia, um, but we should not forget that Hungary is not Russia, and it's not Russia because Hungary is part of the European Union. 
And I have to say, when, when they go to say foreign funding, I prefer to use the term international funding, we have to first ask them, what do they really mean? Will German funding he be, here be labeled as foreign? Or EU funding for or that matter. EU funding for that matter. And Hungarians' uh, population, if you look at the polls, they say, oh, everything that comes outside from Hungary should be labeled foreign. Then I would ask, okay, why foreign funding should be, uh, that goes into the philanthropic and humanitarian domain should be labeled as foreign? Let's say it comes from Germany. But then what, how that will differ from the capital that gets into invested in the economy? You know, the, the money is flowing from one from the same place to the other, and in a way, it has the same same goal. I mean, development. Even one doesn't have a doesn't have a profit goal as 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 the other. And who will explain this to the fellow EU member states that suddenly they will have to walk around in Budapest and, and in the country with a label on their shoulder, foreign? Second, I also would like to point out what, what, about the unintended consequences. Uh, one is about whether this will apply to the free flow of capital. That's right. I think it's, it's fundamental important. right here. It's in a European fundamental Union. right in Europe, and that's why when I say Hungary is not Russia, Hungary is part of the market. And then the second thing is, what if the neighbors look and they start applying the same measure? Uh, there is a vibrant Hungarian civil society in Romania. There is a vibrant Hungarian civil society in Slovakia. These countries are following uh, a lot what's happening here. And what if they start labeling foreign funding over there? We, and I can speak uh, on behalf of Open Society um, Initiative for Europe because we oversee our work in, in the entire region, we don't want to see that happening because we also want in the neighboring countries and the whole region to be flourishing as it was in this sector of civil society, not necessarily to put more impediments. And, and I, I think that you know, there's, a, there's a vast array of unintended consequences that government has not taken into consideration and they may haunt uh, not only funders like us, but they may haunt them and they may haunt the European Union as, as such. Well, this might actually warrant another discussion, another day, where you could come in and talk to us about some of the other uh, unfortunate trends affecting civil society in, uh, in, in the region. Can you tell me what the role of free and objective media is in an open society? As, as we see it, is a, as an informer, as a provider of, first of all, of facts, what has happened, what has transpired, and then providing a, a forum for various opinions and various maybe opinions, uh, be that about analysis of a situation or recommendations about solutions to real problems to be aired and to be uh, put into in the, to the citizens and to the decision makers in order the citizens to be better informed and decision makers to make better better decisions. That that will be the way how we, we, we operate and the way how we would like to see media operating in the countries where we work. Has open society pondered the, uh, the idea of becoming more involved in uh, Hungary's media environment? I mean, if you look around, it's, it's no secret. Anybody who knows anything about Hungary, anything that's happened over the past six, seven years, know that the media environment here has de deteriorated tremendously. Why isn't open society taking a more proactive role in that? I mean, you can have these NGOs out there fighting the good fight, talking about human rights, civil rights, um, trying to engage on policy. But if that media doesn't exist that would be able to share this with the rest of the country, how do you how do you expect to have uh, a debate, a dialogue? I, I fully agree with you. We need a media. We need a well-functioning and diverse media in order to to achieve the goals that I mentioned. 
actually Open Society Foundations many years ago had a full-fledged media program and was exactly supporting that, that the, the, the media outlets and supporting the whole sector as, as such. Uh, in 2004, as all of these countries entered the European Union, we actually scaled down our, our operations and we scaled down our involvement, including the media sector. And in a way, part of our strategy has been to uh, sort of shrink the whole uh, range of media work into only one segment, which is the uh, currently the program for investigative journalism. So we have colleagues who support investigative journalism. We have uh, uh, actually a few grants here in, in, in the country, and some of the investi- investigative journalism, journalist groups are supported. But that's, that's much smaller. And I would say given that also gives us... Um, a lot to think about our future strategy, uh, which of course uh, uh, has to be different than what, what the, in the past when we counted that when all these countries entered the European Union, a lot of things will, will go the democratic way, a lot of things will go uh, in, a positive, in a positive direction, and we would not need to, our, the need for our engagement will, would, would diminish. Uh, so while I agree with you, I'm also aware that our programming at the, this moment um, does not respond to all the needs. Uh, uh, that me- media may have, uh, or independent media in this country may necessitate. One of the one of the things that I've learned watching uh, how civil society operates in an environment where there's a lot of pressure on it from a lot of different sides. So in addition to doing performing your basic function, your mission, you have to deal with criticisms and administrative hurdles from one side. You know, negative public opinion from the other. So it's a very difficult environment to operate in. And what you've what I've seen is that those organizations that that perform best in this environment are those that are able to shift. As as the tides change, they're able to adapt. Do you think that open society is in this phase right now where it's it has to learn how to adapt? I mean, this, this crisis that we're seeing in Hungary, the attacks on NGOs, I think it's a crisis. This isn't unique to Hungary. There are other countries in the European Union also that are having similar problems. Does open society have to rethink how it's approaching its own mission? I think... I mean, for- I agree with you on the on the adaptation. Certain adaptation is needed. Whether that's a radically uh, um, change our mission, probably not, because our mission is there. Whether we need to put some more effort, probably the answer is is, is yes. Uh, given that the, you know we we don't we didn't have the benefit of democratic we didn't see the European Union delivering on all the accounts that we hoped for when all these countries succeeded into the into the European Union. Uh, I also believe that there is, there, to a certain point, there is a need for adaptation, but there's also there is a need to stand for our ground, and our ground is is, is clearly, you know, it's also it's. Let's not forget when I mentioned, you know, human rights. It's human rights for everybody, and it's human rights for Hungarians, for, uh, starting for for Hungarians, and then then for the others, because this this we we should not misunderstood this that is only for some chosen groups there on the fringes. No, this starts with the mainstream population. It starts for Hungarians. And I think this is, this is the, the key thing. Some of the issues about uh, some of the, um, some of our future work will necessitate adaptation, but also will necessitate that we stood, we stand our ground and we'll say, wait a second, human rights, that's for the people in these countries first. Uh, debate, a proper debate, which actually most people in this country uh, ask for, and various opinions, this is about the benefit of the country. 
and then the government can go with the policy and make a policy and then implement it. But it has to be. And that debate is also not something which is about sending letters with the pre-cooked questions. This is also about asking those who know, some of the experts. This is also about having a public consultation, uh, which will have a different different forms, not a PR uh, PR campaign form. And this is the, and there are many ways in which various actors, including civil society organizations, can make meaningful contributions. Some of them uh, may be in line with the government thinking, others um, opposing it, third one somewhere in the middle of the way. But I think from that debate, we will come out uh, with a better solution. So in, so in many ways, it's about adaptation, but it's also about stating some of the basic values of a functioning democracy that includes the respect for human rights and uh, the ability for societies to debate the future solutions and the directions that they go. Goran Buldiaski, thank you very much for coming by today. Thank you. It was a pleasure.